Welcome to episode 8 of Splash the Podcast. This is our NBA season preview episode, so we are talking about the upcoming NBA season, which has already gotten started. We're a week in. We start off talking about the Gordon Hayward injury and what that means for the complexion of the Eastern Conference. We also talk about teams that we think are going to contend with the Warriors, of which there are not very many. And then we get into our season bets for the year. So season win totals over and under. We talk about possibilities for MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Rookie of the Year. So hope you enjoy the show. If you do, uh, please leave us a review on either the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, as those are very helpful in getting the word out about our podcast. And now, without further ado, this is Episode 8 of Splash the Podcast. The NBA is back. It's back. It's been back for about a week. We are recording this on the 23rd. So we've seen a week now. So first things first, uh, I think probably the biggest story of the first week of the season is obviously the Gordon Haywood injury. Um, have you watched the injury yet? Yeah, I watched it when I got your um, late night text equating it to the Iran deal, and um, yeah, I also did not throw up watching the Iran deal break, but uh, I came pretty close when I saw that. Um, yeah, I, I love how it was just kind of like a like a, a slow moving bomb had been set off, like it, it it happened and then the people right next to him turned around and the people on the outside of the court turned around and the first few rows gasped and just spread all the way throughout the stadium until everybody was just vomiting into their popcorn bowls. I have I have not yet watched it. I've managed to avoid it. I saw that it was going on on Twitter and I've had a couple friends who have been pestering me to watch it. I guess it's one of those things that once you once you've gone through that level of pain, you want to like make your friends also feel sick to their stomachs too. Oh yeah. But yeah, I've managed to avoid it for good reason uh, with my own history of leg issues. But I guess the bigger question is what does this do to the Celtics? Is this something that they can recover from? Because a lot of people at the beginning of the year thought that they could actually contend in the East and really provide a foil to the Cavs and maybe stop the Cavs dominance in the East Obviously, they take a big blow here, but is are they still contenders in your mind, or does this put them uh, significantly below the Cavs? No, they still got a shot. Um, he provided a lot of the scoring, though, which is the big thing they're going to miss. And if um, if they can't replace that, they're in trouble because Kyrie is fantastic, but he needs help. Um, I mean, he didn't make the playoffs on Cleveland before LeBron got there. So he's not LeBron. He's not Westbrook. He can do a lot, but he needs quite a bit of help. And I think he's going to get frustrated pretty quickly with that. Uh, I mean, their only chance is that Jason Tatum makes a big leap as a as a rookie, who I think is good, good, but 
I don't think can can provide the scoring that that Gordon gave off the dribble, especially. So they're in a, they're in a lot of they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, they can definitely still contend in the East, especially if anything happens to Cleveland. But I really think that the big winners are um, the Wizards. The Wizards should be able to should be able to handle the Celtics now, and now they just need to worry about Cleveland. So I want to talk about a little bit more about the Wizards in a second, but just finishing up with Boston, yeah, I do think it's a big problem for them. They will probably still make the playoffs. They have enough talent with Smart and Kyrie to make it to the playoffs. Like you said, Jason Tatum now is probably a much, is going to play a much bigger role than he would have. You no longer can kind of hide him as the rookie and let him make rookie mistakes. He's got to really produce now. But I do wonder about Kyrie and whether he is going to be able to do it all on its own. He's somebody who, like you said, has never he's never been the centerpiece of the team. And now he really is going to have to be. He's going to have to create his own offense in a way that he never really had to do that before. And maybe that's what he wants to do. I actually think it's in a perverse way, it actually improves Kyrie's chances of possibly winning the MVP for the season if he can really go out there and keep the Celtics in the top two in the East. He's somebody now who really has a good chance of winning the MVP, but it also means that the Celtics are much more likely to struggle without the scoring that Gordon could provide. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a problem. They have a lot of good off-the-ball people, a lot of good defenders, a lot of good people like Horford who can catch and shoot, but you, you need somebody else that can that can dribble, work the offense. And, I mean, Kyrie, he's he's a great one-on-one player, but he needs somebody else to stretch the floor. And, and, and I mean, when you have LeBron on the floor, you're, you're getting open looks all of the time and you're limiting the double teams. And without Gordon, I'd... I don't know. I think I think they're in big trouble. They should be able to win on defense um, enough games to definitely crack the top three or four. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a real problem. I don't I don't see how they continually keep up with teams, especially in the East, where a bunch of teams I think have gotten quite a bit better. Yeah. So talking about the other teams that have gotten better in the East, you mentioned the Wizards. The Bucks are obviously a team that a lot of people expect to maybe take a step forward this year with Giannis. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon winning the Rookie of the Year last year. The Raptors are still a team that has succeeded the last few years and have kept most of their players back. So who do you expect to be a true contender to the Cavs? Uh, just the Wizards, uh, the Bucks. Who do you think is going to be able to step up and take that mantle? Yeah, I think pretty much just the Wizards. I really like the Bucks, and I would definitely put some money on uh, the Greek freak Giannis to win MVP. It seems like he he's had the, he has the talent uh, for the most part. He he hasn't had quite the ability to create all of his own shots uh, like some of the other players do. Like Westbrook, who can just go out there and and take over a game if they want to. Giannis is more of an in the game kind of player. But he, he's he's I was watching a couple of his games so far, and he seems to have taken that next level of, all right, I'm just going to take over this game mentality. And that's a pretty big deal. You need the mentality. Otherwise, you don't have a shot. And he's just dominating. So uh, I think he has a good shot. If he can keep the Bucks in the in the top three or so, maybe top four, that he could actually 
you could actually pull out MVP with LeBron um, sitting out and a couple of other big players having to sh- share some time. The Bucks as a team still have a long way to go. So, I mean, which is another case for his MVP. But but in terms of playoffs, I still don't think that they have a shot to to take out the the Cavs. So Vegas's updates now through three games because of Giannis's amazing start, averaging. 38 points a game. He's now actually the favorite to win the MVP with nine to four odds. You might have been able to get some value on him last week, but I guess a lot of people have now raced to the counter to put their money on Giannis. And we'll talk more about uh, other MVP picks and individual players. One thing I wonder about with the Wizards, you know what you're getting from Beal, and last year he was finally able to stay healthy for an entire season. And play to a max contract you've got wall you know what to expect from him at this point almost every article i've read about the wizards this season has been about kelly Oubre and what he can actually bring to the table and he didn't bring a lot last year but he seems like he is ready to take a major step forward this year is that going to be enough for the wizards to actually contend in the east I don't know if it is. I certainly don't see them as being a real threat to the Cavs, even if they get to the two or the three seed. But it does make them interesting for as a team that could easily win over 50 games off to a quick start this year, winning their first two. But, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's weird to think that the Wizards are actually in the position to contend in the East. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. They were right there last year. Kelly Oubre was definitely impressive last year, and if he's just if he's getting better and he can come off the bench, especially um, Cavs bench is you know we don't really know. Um, you got Dwayne Wade, Derrick Rose. Uh, you, you never quite know, and then Isaiah Thomas, who may or may not be playing. So their bench could be good, but if you get Kelly Oubre out there, who's 15 years younger than some of these guys. Um, you've got a you've got a good shot, and and that's the real issue is, is the bench. I mean, last year the Wizards bench was just awful, but their starters are as good as any other five starters in the whole league. So, if you can find a couple people to come off and and give them consistent minutes and some scoring, then then they can actually give Cleveland a run, especially if Cleveland runs into any injuries. I think the one thing you would say is their weakness is not having a consistent low post presence. You have Morris who can be inconsistent. Gortat who can be good at times but is often injured and doesn't always bring you offensive consistency down low. So maybe they have a lot on the wings. They have Otto Porter also who has taken several steps in the last couple years and becoming a max player. But that would be the one spot that you would expect them to get pushed around a little bit down low. Yeah, maybe Ian Mahinmi can start start playing well. Get something. Hey, out there's of him a first time for everything. Yeah, first time for everything. So that's the East for the most part. The West is pretty crazy with the Warriors as preeminent favorites. But there are a lot of teams that have gotten much better in the West. The Timberwolves look like a much improved team. The Thunder, obviously, picking up Paul George and Carmelo are poised to contend. The Rockets with Chris Paul now. 
is anybody in the West going to be able to seriously contend with the Warriors? I'm no, no, not at all. It's no, no one's going to contend with them. Uh, they they're going to contend with themselves, and that's that's about it. But if they play like they did last year or the year before, no one will come close again. So it's unfortunate. Everyone's just kind of hoping for an injury, but if all things being equal, it's not even worth wasting time about because they're just gonna they're gonna run through everybody again. Okay, so they're gonna win again, even though they're off to a one and two start, floundering out of the gate. Who are you looking for in the West to actually make something interesting? Maybe not necessarily compared to the Warriors, but you know, grading on a curve. Who are you looking at in the West to really take a step up? Um, the only team that could that could give them a shot are the Thunder, just based on pure talent, and and that's what it's about. I, so, the thing I find interesting about basketball is that it's very unlike any other sport in that one player makes all the difference, right? All you need is LeBron. Doesn't matter. He's the favorite to win, and he has won the conference like every single year, essentially. So, one person makes a giant, giant difference. But, two to three people doesn't necessarily make a giant difference um, because you can only have so many shots. So, if you have someone like LeBron... Um, if he shoots every time, that's essentially the same as two people that are just as good shooting every time, right? I mean, there's some differences in that LeBron is going to get tired and that kind of thing. But the problem is you have to have the right mix of people. You can't just throw good players together and they'll play well. So I don't actually think that the Thunder are going to be very good. I don't think I can, I don't see George, Carmelo, and Westbrook working together in a way that is. Um, as much of an upgrade as their talent would indicate, but they do have it. So if I'm wrong and they can figure it out and put everything together, and Carmelo can just be a spot up shooter, back you know back people down in the post, and and Westbrook kind of um, can give the ball up a little more after you know I mean because it's you're asking a lot from Westbrook to go from the last couple years when he was with Durant to having to play off the ball so much and then but wanting to have the ball finally getting it and then just eviscerating the league and now has to go back to playing with two other all-stars superstars so uh i, I don't see how that's going to work but from a talent standpoint that's what you need because the warriors do have it figured out they do have the talent they do have the roles they have the coaching they have the personalities to make it all work uh, so so you have to have just talent to keep up with them it's not a, it's not like you can like the the Pistons, the uh, 03 Pistons and the Lakers, right? The the Lakers should have crushed them. They had way more talent, but but they didn't have the right talent. They didn't know how to use it. Um, the feuds, the All Stars getting older, not knowing how to play together, not knowing their roles, not willing to, to give up the, the limelight. Meanwhile, the Pistons worked as a team, five players, and they destroyed the Lakers. They would have won nine out of ten games in the finals, um, and. The difference is that Laker team should or could have been what this Warriors team is. So you need a team that can have the talent and gel. So it's not going to be about any team playing better. And honestly, the only team that can keep up with them would, would be the Thunder. It's interesting in the West where you have a, teams that have dramatically improved in terms of talent. But like you said, there's 
real questions, really interesting questions about how they're going to mesh together. You get somebody who's really ball dominant like Carmelo, and you have Russell Westbrook, who was insane last year and taking a million shots, just driving whatever he wanted. And then you also add Paul George, who is somebody who really needs to his own shots as well. So what are they going to do with all these players? We already saw a couple nights ago, or I guess last night, there was a big big game against Minnesota. Carmelo took the last shot of the game and made it for them. Uh, of course, Andrew Wiggins hit one going back the other way for the win. But you know, are there going to be problems with players who need the ball in their hands that often, have egos, and feel like they should be able to shoot the ball at the end of the game or get their shots? So I think that's a real question for the Thunder. It may also be a question for the Rockets, too. James Harden, who showed last year that he was very much able to not just shoot the ball. He could also facilitate a lot better for his team. And as a result, the Rockets had one of their best seasons in years. But bringing in Chris Paul once he recovers from injury, how is that going to work out with both of those players? Again, players you want to have the ball in their hands, but with only five people on the floor at any given time, there's just no way to run the offense through that many people at once. Right. That's the thing. You, you Only one person can hold the ball at a time, um, and it only helps to have lots of good players if they know how to play together. So the, the only other team that I'm in, the team I really would, am going to watch a lot as much as possible is the Timberwolves, like you mentioned. They, they have the right mix of talent to do something with. They have Jimmy Butler, who's an unselfish player. They have Wiggins, who's uh, a good player, but seems to be kind of lacking some skills. Uh, and then Carl Anthony Towns, who's just about the best big man in the league. Uh, then you've got a, a good bench with Jamal Crawford, who, who can get streaky. Aaron Brooks, who can get streaky. Taj Gibson, great defender and good around the rim. So you've got a bunch of talent there, and they, it's the right mix of what it seems to be personality, uh, youth, and then you just need some coaching, which hopefully they have. Um, if should the Bulls' success is an indication, then they have it. But um, they actually have quite a bit of talent now. It's not enough to keep up with the Warriors because they don't have the offensive firepower. But I think that they'll be a lot of fun to watch, and I'm going to try to watch as much as possible because I do think that they have a great chance at um, winning a lot of games. You bring up a good point about the league at this point with the fact that you have the Warriors and the Cavs being in the finals, and it's almost a foregone conclusion for most people that at the end of the year, they're going to be back in the finals again. And you you get ridiculous odds, like to, to bet on the Warriors making the playoffs, you'd have to put down $1,000 to get $1 back. So it's that much of a foregone conclusion. And so I think as a fan, you could just say, like, you're not going to win, your team's not going to win the title. But... On the other hand, there are a lot of teams that are really fun to watch. The Bucks are fun to watch. The Timberwolves are really fun to watch. You know, if you're into defense, the Spurs can be really fun to watch from a fundamental standpoint. So even though there are teams that you just think are kind of a step below, there really are a lot of really interesting teams that on a night-to-night basis are just really a lot of fun value to watch in playing basketball. A lot of new stars, young stars in the league. And so it's kind of an interesting dichotomy where you have these two dynasty teams, but you also have a lot of fun teams that would be, or they're worth your time and attention 
as a basketball fan. Yeah, well, that's because the league's going towards the the um, the superstar big three model, and so you got a lot of teams kind of going that way. And so, yeah, you had a lot of fun teams, a lot of you know massive superstar duos and, and trios out there. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. Okay, so I want to talk about season win totals at this point, and right now I think one thing we could do is if we could identify a team that we think will over-exceed, or not over-exceed, I guess just regular exceed expectations, and one that you think will be underwhelming compared to what Vegas has set up for the year. So do you want to go first with this? Sure. So I've got a couple unders um, and then a couple overs. My unders are the 76ers and the um, and the Warriors. So the 76ers over-under is 41.5, which basically says that they're going to get to 500 or above 500. Uh, they've got a lot of young talent. They played well the second half of the year, but they still are all very young. They have not played together. You've got two rookies on the team, Fultz and, and Simmons, even though he was drafted last year. And... It's going to take them a while to get it together. Now, they obviously have a, a, a great core, young talent, and a great future, but as for this year, asking them to get all the way to 500, I think is a big ask. And, you know, they're obviously getting a lot better, so people are going to ride them, which is why I think that Vegas set the over-under very high for them, and so I would take the under. Can we talk about faults for a second? Have you watched his free-throw shooting? No. For a guy that you have got to watch it, I encourage everybody to just Google uh, Fultz free throw shooting because this guy was the number one pick, consensus top pick in the draft, and this dude cannot shoot free throws. I mean, it's a disaster. It's like one of the ugliest looking shots you've ever seen, and it it's kind of worrisome. Like, oh, 76ers fans are already... After all the bluster of trust the process and stuff like that, they're already backing off of him as like, oh god, this is this is not going well out of the gate. All right, I found it. I'm watching this thing. Oh, oh god, oh god, why? Why would you do that? It's basically it's like the Gordon Hayward injury, but with free throws. I mean, it's really, <laughs> really ugly. And I bad. do want to turn away. Anyway. It is amazing that people get paid millions of dollars and can't make a free shot from 10 feet away. What are you doing with your spare time? Or your work? To, like, I don't... It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem, especially since he's the one holding the ball and is going to be on the floor at the end of games. The other thing I would say about the 76ers, and I totally agree with you and your assessment to pick the under with them, will Joel Embiid be able to play an entire season or two thirds of a season for that matter. Right. I mean, he was the consensus rookie of the year in his seemingly 50th season last year until he again went down with an injury and he has a lot of talent and potential, but their entire team really is constructed for him to be in there. And if he's not in there, then you're going to have to worry more about things like Fultz shooting free throws or Simmons really having to play up, even though he was out all of last year with an injury too. So this is a franchise that has had a lot of concerns with injury. And so maybe everybody stays healthy and together and they 
overachieve, but it's really a lot to ask for those players who have never shown the ability to do that yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so then my other under is the the Warriors, 67 and a half. Uh, this is more about, I think, either someone gets hurt or they just start sitting players. I, I think you need to have everybody on that team healthy or they fall apart quickly. Not not dramatically, but, but back to just normal great level instead of all-time great level. And I think that I don't. you need Green, Thompson, Curry, and Durant healthy. I mean, we saw Durant go out last year for a while, and they looked mediocre. Uh, I mean, they're still great, still great, but they played a lot of close games that they were having to, to sweat out. And I think if any of those four players gets hurt, and possibly two for short periods of time, I think they're in trouble, and I think they drop below probably more around 62, which is 62 and 20 is still just unbelievable. So it's not like I think they're going to be bad. I'm just saying 67.5 is all things uh, being equal, them um, all being healthy, and assuming that the other teams who have picked up superstars like the Rockets and the Thunder and the Timberwolves have not gotten that much better. I mean, they're going to see those teams three and four times this year. So, So assuming those teams are still just the same as last year, and I think we can all agree at least they're somewhat better, um, you're going to get a couple extra losses in there. And then I think you drop down five wins. I, I think they go 62-20. and 20. So you stole my underpick. The Warriors are definitely my lock of the year for an under. For all the reasons you mentioned, and I think a couple more, too, that you might want to throw in there. Just the West is so difficult now. And they're going to have to run into a bunch of teams that are dramatically improved. Granted, the teams in their division aren't very good, but just overall in the entire conference, a lot of teams in the West are much improved. And you have to think that there is some level of not necessarily a hangover, but you just wonder if the players are going to come out. They know with the expectations that are on them that they're going to be in the playoffs. They're built for the playoffs. Kerr could easily sit people to make sure that they're ready. They know that they don't have to be the one seed that they're going to be contending. So rest players, and also, you know, they've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start out of the gate here. They're one and two through three games, which isn't terrible. But certainly when you have a line that's up to 67, it's going to be very difficult to have slumps at any point in the season and still hit the over on that. So, yeah, love love the Warriors under, even though they are probably the best team in the league and one of the best teams in years. Okay, so there's a team we both hate. So, Justin, who do you have for overs, teams that you think are going to achieve above the original expectations? I really, I really wanted to pick the Bulls at over 22, the lowest <laughs> on the board. Um, I mean, do 20, it. 22 is absurd, um, except that <laughs> two of their two of their top six players just uh, got into a fight and put put one of the starters in the hospital. So it's not off to a, a great start. So I, I I can't I can't pick them as much as I would as much as I would love to. Um, I'll I'll take the Timberwolves uh, over 48 and a half. I think they can get to 50 52. If uh, they they figure it out in the first few weeks, and that's more of a testament to Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is great. I think he's a great person. I think he's a great basketball player. 
and I think he can, um, you know, when you get when you get traded to a new team, and, and especially when you're the you're the star, it's tough to kind of get on the same pages with everybody else. It takes a certain type of person to do that, but I think Jimmy Butler can do that, and I don't think that they will start start that slow. And I think they have the talent easily to get to fifty, so I think that they can pull that out. I hope they get there. Something about the Timberwolves, Tom Thibodeau now being their coach, he's probably one of the top contenders for coach of the year, I would think. I, I hope that they do succeed, especially after most people agree that they were able to fleece the Bulls out of Jimmy Butler on draft night. And Wiggins, you hope that he takes another step forward in his career he already made a big end-of-game shot against the Thunder, which we mentioned, which was a pretty baller-looking shot. So, uh, yeah, I would hope that the Timberwolves can take a step forward and really contend. They would be so fun to watch and have them be in the top three or four teams after the people of Minnesota have suffered for so long um, with mediocrity after Kevin Garnett left. Uh, my over for the year... I'm picking the Utah Jazz. Their over-under number is 41 or 41.5, depending on where you're looking. And this was a team that won 51 games last year. They lost Gordon Hayward, which apparently not that big of a loss because the Celtics are going to be without him all year. But, you know, I think the number was deflated because people think that without him on the team, their team is not going to be any good. But... They really still have a lot of the same core players. They have Rudy Gobert, who is my favorite for defensive player of the year. They were able to get Ricky Rubio, who, while not one of the best shooting point guards in the league, is a great facilitator, great passer, and they're off to a good start. And so I like the Utah Jazz to not take as much of a step back as everybody thinks they will. I mean, they'll, they won't win 51 games this year, but I think they'll at least win 41 and have a 500 record. It's not, it's not a bad pick. That's a pretty big reaction to losing Gordon. But they just need someone to to score the ball. And I don't know who that's going to be. But if you think you can cobble a couple people together and put those points up, then I think that's a, a great pick. That's a dramatic drop for, for you know, not, not the best player. Not a bad player, an all-star, but uh, a fringe all-star. Um, my other pick for over is the Wizards. The Wizards over under 48. They had 49 last year, and that was after they started off 5-10. and 10. They have essentially the same team. Oubre is getting better. Everyone's healthy. I think, that, I think that they can put together 50 wins easily. Remember when the Wizards started off so slowly last year and everybody was mocking Scott Brooks and his big contract and people were ready to fire him after 15 games? basically. And then the Wizards had one of the best second halves of the season. And like you said, kept everybody around. One question I have for you, what do you think of the decision to give Otto Porter a max contract? I, I, I don't, it's, I don't know. It's the, the contracts are always within the context of the rest of the league and the timing and the salary cap. So I mean, it's absurd that he's making more money than just about everybody in every sport in D.C. But he's a good player. He's consistently gotten better. And um, they didn't have a lot to work with, so they kind of they kind of were stuck with it, unfortunately. But uh, considering that um, 
Wall took a dig at him earlier. I think that's not the best thing for team chemistry, but we're stuck with him now, and, and you know, it is what it is. We weren't getting Paul George. Yeah, you got to pay somebody on your team, and letting him go for nothing didn't seem like a great option. And the NBA contract situation and the CBA that has been negotiated now a couple times it really did feel like a necessary thing, but also a foolish thing at the same time. But that is, the NBA is very different when it comes to negotiating contracts like that uh, with the all the rules that they have and the max contracts that are available. So any other over-unders for the season that you want to give out or no? No, I think that's it. There's a lot of landscape changed quite a bit in the offseason, so it's hard to, to really be able to tell, but but those are the ones I feel best about. I mean, like and like the Spurs, I would definitely take their over, but Kawhi Leonard's got an injury, so you don't quite know. So, yeah, that's about it. Okay, so let's talk about some of the individual races and betting on those. Uh, we mentioned MVP earlier, and you sounded like you were two fists in for Giannis for MVP. Um, I was when he was 8-1. to one. I thought that that was pretty good value now that he's dropped down to the favorite i don't love him as much although i do think he's got a he's still got a good chance but uh i would i would probably i'd probably bet on james Harden, especially now uh, i'm just looking at it now you're right uh jim turns now 10 to 1 i think that's pretty good value who really should have gotten it last year if it hadn't been for an arbitrary number that the nba made of the triple double if if that if that term didn't exist, James Harden wins the MVP easily. So I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't win it again. I think Chris Paul would just help him. And now that we've seen he's hurt and it's going to be back on James Harden, uh, I mean, LeBron's going to be sitting out as much as possible and letting people like Rose and, and Dwayne take over 15 minutes here and there whenever he can get them. So I don't think he'll have the same. Kawhi Leonard's, um, Kawhi Leonard's hurt, and I don't think he would get it even if he was healthy. And Giannis is definitely, definitely a, a great option, but I, I don't think he can sustain this the whole year. I don't think his team will be good enough, and I just think James Harden's better and will have uh, similar numbers like he did last year. He's unstoppable. So, yeah, I, I take James Harden now, especially at ten to one. I will make a little bit of a case for LeBron here. Uh, I think he's at four to one, and the second person on the board. In a lot of sites, I'm six to one right now. So somebody like Russell, six to one, even better. I'll take the six to one then. Um, he, somebody like Russell Westbrook, you know, who scored so many points last year, you expect him to take a dramatic step back. I think James Harden could take a step back once somebody like Chris Paul comes in and takes some of his points and shots away. But LeBron, you expect him to still get the same number of shots. He's somebody who's been complaining in the media and clearly takes it personally that he hasn't been the MVP the last couple seasons. He thinks he's the best player in basketball, and he is. And without Kyrie on the floor, I think you're going to see LeBron take a lot more shots and be a lot more instrumental in that offense. I don't think you can rely on Wade and Rose to be healthy all season. So I I think that there is a lot of value. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis wins and he just has a dominant season and the Bucks 
get you know a lot of attention that way. It wouldn't surprise me, but I I think six to one is pretty good value for LeBron, who as the best player in the league is going to get a lot more attention. And it and if the Cavs continue to be the one seed after everything the Celtics did to try to contend, I think he'll get a lot more credit than maybe is necessarily due to him. But I think he'll still be in that conversation at the end of the year. It's definitely good value for him. I just think that his his he's won the MVP too many times. His willingness to um, or his desire for championships outweighs his desire for the MVP, and so I think he'll he'll take it easy, especially in the second half. Okay, so that's the MVP. Now let's talk about Rookie of the Year. There are a lot of good options here because we had a very strong draft class, and there are players like Ben Simmons who didn't play last year, so are eligible to win this year so who do you have as rookie of the year um i bet on dennis smith actually before the season started at uh, i think eight to one he's down to six to one now i still think that's pretty good value ben simmons is minus 160 which seems like a pretty high favorite for someone who's never played a game in the nba i I don't really understand that i guess because he has an extra year under his belt of practicing and being around nba players but he was injured, so I don't know. I also like Dennis Smith. I think he is, as a point guard, I think a lot of people thought the Mavericks got really good value having him fall in the draft to them. It wouldn't surprise me if Lonzo Ball, with all the media attention that he gets, uh, and you know he's off to a pretty good start after his first game. He almost had a triple-double last night. I just feel like he is going to... If you're the Lakers, there's no incentive not to play him constantly. Get him as much experience as possible. You're hoping to attract somebody like LeBron to come play for you next year. So I think that somebody like Lonzo is going to get a lot of attention. And at the end of the day, it's not always about who the best player is for the rookie. It's also about the media since they get to vote on this. And so... I think Lonzo Ball is probably a much better value than somebody like Ben Simmons, who I totally agree with you. Way, way too high of a favorite, especially having been injured all of last year. You know, you haven't even seen him be healthy at all. So uh, I would put a little bit on Dennis Smith, a little bit on Lonzo to start the year. Yeah, it's really about stats for Rookie of the Year. If you're a good player on a good team, it doesn't matter if you're playing better as long as the other person on a bad team, which is where um, a lot of these top picks end up, is putting up the stats. So Lonzo's a great value just because, like you said, if he gets the ball um, and he puts up the stats, it, it doesn't really matter if you'd rather have Ben Simmons or if Ben Simmons is having a better year. If Le- if Lonzo's putting up bigger stats, he's going he's gonna to get it. Same with Dennis Smith. Same with Tate. I mean, Tatum's a good value now because at 10 to 1 without Hayward, he's going to be kind of the number two on that team probably for for scoring. But but whether or not he can is my question, and I don't think he can, not yet, not as a rookie. So I don't think he'd, he'll be able to get the uh, the stats and the, the points to keep up with Dennis Smith, Lonzo, and Ben. So the last category we want to talk about is defensive player of the year. Uh, I mentioned earlier for me that's going to be Rudy Gobert who is third in line for most people. Most people have Draymond Green as the favorite. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is right there at number two. But as we already said, he's starting the year injured. And though it seems like he is going to be back fairly soon, 
you really don't know how long he's going to be there. So there is some question, even though Kawhi is undoubtedly one of the best defensive players in the league. Some questions surrounding what what he'll be able to do. And you always know that Greg Popovich likes to sit players in preparation for the postseason. So somebody like Gobert is going to be a really important part of the Jazz offense and defense. He's a great rim protector. He's huge at 7-1. And so I think that this is the year he takes a big step forward. There is no Gordon Haywood uh, on their team anymore to take all the attention away. So it's going to be solely on him. And if the Jazz do have the kind of season I think that they're going to be able to have, he's going to get a lot of attention. So he's my pick. What about you? I like him. Um, yeah, I don't see when I, he's he he's he's got good footwork and he's just so freaking tall and his arms are twenty seven feet wide. He reminds me of uh, Kenny George. I remember he played for played for some North Carolina team, right? And but he he's just so tall that he just he would just move. I think he was seven foot eight, and he would just kind of move six inches one way or the other and stick out his arms, and nobody could score on him. It was pretty hilarious to watch. And that's kind of what Rudy Gobert does in the NBA. Uh, he can't just move six inches, but he's so athletic that um, that he can use his his height and his length to to really just completely alter and uh, alter a game. And that that doesn't go away. No love for Draymond here. As good as he is, no love. We're we're staying away from the favorites. Minus Giannis, we like him. We liked him less as a favorite. We liked him more as an underdog, but underdog for sure yeah he's he's great but again he still plays for the bucks and without that much around you 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 have you you have a lot of work to do and that that wears in you over a whole season so the last nba gambling tidbit that i wanted to talk about are odds for the location of where lebron james will play his first regular season game of the 2018-2019 season and right now, the Cavaliers are still the favorite at plus 200. Second, we have the Lakers at plus 450. And then, interestingly, the Rockets are there at plus 700 next. And then also, the Timberwolves managed to make it in fourth at plus 1,200. So, Justin, where do you have LeBron playing next year? <laughs> well, it's not like I know anything that, that anybody else doesn't but um that's not what this is about it's about wild speculation i know yeah that's and i'm great at that i'll i'll take i'll take the lakers uh i think that if he was going to stay he would have said by now i think if um if they have another good year that he can feel good about just making the finals um then i think he'll be fine with leaving and the Lakers just have so much young talent. Um, he's got a bunch of connections. I don't. I don't know why he would go to cold Minnesota to play basketball when he could go live in L.A. So if I had to bet, and and they're not the favorite, I would definitely bet on L.A. I would also bet on L.A. at plus four fifty. L.A. has clearly been preparing for either him or Paul George or Russell Westbrook for a while, and the moves that they've been making, and they're still not going to be that great this year, but. Uh, you feel like they have at least a couple pieces with Lonzo Ball being in place, so they're going to have multiple superstars, and they'll have the cap room in order to sign LeBron. Uh, interestingly, the Wizards are at plus 5,000, 5, so you never yeah, can rule out sure. Washington. No. 
Um, Except that everybody does every day. Sacramento at plus twenty five thousand. That you know, that's some really good value. If you wanted to just go and decide to be the hero of Sacramento, you know, what we got to talk about in the next podcast is who's the, the who's the best free agent signing the Wizards have had in the last twenty years, and are there five good ones? Man, that is that's a real puzzler. I feel like you've just, you know, given me a really tough riddle that, you know, I have to think about. Yeah. Free agent signings. We're going we're gonna to discuss this next week. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some research on that. Nothing is coming to mind, and most of the players they brought in are through trades, and even those trades are not great. Uh, the name Randy Foy comes to mind, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, okay. So stay tuned for that uh, Wizards free agent talk uh, next week. All right, well, this was our NBA season preview. Justin, any last words? No, that's about it. Um, I actually am considering getting the the NBA league pass, though, because there are a lot of fun teams to watch, and I think every night there will be a couple good games to watch, which is – it's been getting happening more and more each year, but I think this year especially, and there's just a lot of a lot of fun teams, so it's not a bad investment, I think. How much is it? I don't know. It's a good question. It can't be more than MLB, right? So it's probably about 150 or so. Is it one of those things that, like HBO Go, you could pay for, and then I could sign in as you and just watch whatever games I also wanted to watch? That's what I'm wondering. So it's forty dollars a month. Well, the NBA season lasts 12 months, so that's Wait, like $500. No, it's, it's $29 a month. Hmm. Oh, wait. No, all right, here we go. 200 for the year. Okay. I wonder if it's one of those things that around Christmas time or something, they'll have like... Yeah. You know, the... In- they do the half-price thing. The half-price thing during the season. All right, well, why don't you get that, and then... Um, and then let me know what your password is. I'll give is. out the Well, let's just put out the login on the on the podcast next week. Okay. So tune in next week for Justin's NBA login and Wizards free agent talk. And if that doesn't right, bring you back for the podcast, then I don't know what will. So thanks for listening. Exactly. <laughs> We're make, making people listen to our DC talk in, in, in order for have access to the uh, free stuff. <laughs> it's like it's like an NPR uh, money drive. One of those like fundraising drives right. that's on NPR. Okay. We should have one of those soon. Give away some free coasters. <laughs>